All right, everybody. Somebody go ahead and start the music. to the Prof. JC Leadership Podcast, a podcast about life, leadership, and human flourishing. My guiding philosophy is simple. What you can be, you must be. Abraham Maslow. The purpose of this podcast is to help you live an all-in life, be an all-in leader, and lead all-in teams and organizations. I'm your host, JC Hurtado Prater, yours truly. And I'm so grateful you joined me for a few moments on the podcast today. The professor is in. We are in the book, The Science of Success by Charles G. Cope. Today, we're going to talk about this idea of anticipation and innovation. The chapter that we're in right now is a chapter that's talking about this idea of vision. And at the very beginning of this, we talked about this idea that vision comes from value creation. When we think about adding value to others, adding value to society, adding value to the marketplace, this is what creates the vision for our lives. This is what determines where we go in life. Before we get to that, I want to share something with you. I was sharing with my class about this the other day, and we were talking about this idea of attitude. And I know that you understand this, but this is a good reminder for all of us how attitude can shape anything in our lives, anything and absolutely everything, right? We, we don't necessarily always have the power to shape our circumstances. Sometimes the situations that we're born into, you know, we don't necessarily choose our parents. We don't necessarily choose our family that we're born into. But everything outside of that, we really are added to. And, and even in those families, if it's not the family you wanted it to be or you want it to be, uh, our attitude can help shape that experience as well. But I was talking with some students the other day and they were kind of talking about some, nev- some negative experiences that they were having uh, with their own institution. And uh, that sat with me for the last two weeks. And we've really been thinking about that. And, and so I shared with them in a recent class, I shared that, you know, I understand your experience. I understand how you communicate your experience, but it's important for you to understand as well um, and and for you to start learning because these are college students, college seniors. It's important for them to understand, just like it's important for us to understand that sometimes we're going to be in situations that we don't like. Sometimes we'll be in situations that we feel don't always benefit us or every minute is not benefiting us. But again, how we shape it, how we shape that experience will make that experience and I shared with them how back in 2000 no this wasn't even 2000 this was 1998 I joined the military and I was shipped off to uh, South Korea after basic training at Fort Benning Georgia shipped off to South Korea for a year and when I'd gone out there at the time my uh you know my 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 girlfriend I guess you call her at the time had found out that she she'd broken up you know with me and and uh, I tried to win her back and and uh, I was successful at that. But then I got on the plane to go to Korea and, and uh, you know, as probably as 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 the situation would have it, it just wasn't meant to work out. 
And so I had been there for about four months in South Korea. I got there in October, I think it was, which is freezing. It was probably at the worst time to get to South Korea. And uh, so there was October, November, December. Then we get into Christmas. And that was, I'll never forget one of the toughest times I've ever spent a Christmas. And I remember that, that, um, that, that Christmas as well walking around the barracks, I think I had to, I had to go out and use the restroom. I had to go get something. I think we had restrooms in our own, our, our own rooms, but I had to go get something. I remember walking down the hallway and going downstairs. And I remember this is the true story. I could hear weeping happening in some of the rooms. These are tough infantry soldiers, but there's nothing like missing Christmas and being in the barracks in South Korea. It's just not, it's not the most fun thing. It's not where you imagine, especially for younger guys like myself. And I felt that same way too. And so we get into January, February, and then I get the Dear John letter. If you ever heard of Dear John, those Dear John letters, it's when the love of your life, whoever it is, you get an email from them, not an email back in the day, we didn't get emails. You get letters in the mail and they would tell you, hey, I'm breaking up with you. And I got one of those. It was on Valentine's Day. I went to check the mail and I was expecting something else. And what I got was a Dear John letter in the mail. I'm done with you. We're over, right? Probably wasn't that insensitive, but that's what I got. And I remember thinking this was the worst. And that whole month, the rest of February was one of the worst months. Um, and I just was so depressed. I was, uh, was, I was, you know, I was sad. I was frustrated. I was angry about the situation. And there's nothing I could have done about it. Why? Because I was all the way in South Korea. So what am I supposed to do? Right? I, I can't get this person back because I'm all the way in South Korea. So. Uh, I remember sitting at the motor pool. It was the very end of February, still freezing cold because I think the weather started, you know, you know, changing maybe around May or something. So we had a ways to go before we we're going to have the hot, the dog days of summer that I prefer. And uh, so, you know, things weren't working out and uh, I was depressed. I was angry. I was mad. And I remember sitting in the motor pool and I remember exact. I can see it where I was. I was sitting on the back of the uh, Bradley fighting vehicle. Uh, that I uh, was the driver for. And so I was in charge of maintenance and we were kind of done waiting and I'm sitting there and I think it was actually kind of a nice day that day. It was still February, but it was a decent day. And I'm sitting there and I just remember thinking something hit me and I just said, you know what? I'm here for eight more months. I'm here for eight more months. So I think at that time, yeah, I'd been there November, December. I got there late October. So November, December, January, February. I said, I'm here for eight more months. These next eight months can be the absolute worst eight months of my life, or they could possibly be the best eight months of my life. So it's up to me. And I don't know how I got that because no one told that to me. No one said that to me. No one came over and said that this is it. But somehow my mindset changed and I said, okay, I'm going to make these next eight months eight of the best months of my life. And you know what happened? They were up till that time. Now, I've had a really amazing life, a lot of ups and downs, but I've had, but that year, even to this day, I would say, and I've had some amazing years. I'm in the middle of one right now, but I've had some amazing years since then. But that year stands out as one of the greatest years of my life. I began to stop thinking about myself and I begin to project my attention outwards. And I begin to look at the people around me and say, okay, how can I invest in them? How can I create friendships? How can I get better physically? And I started going to the gym and, and uh, I met a couple of guys, Tom Ledoux and Juan, Juan Perez. 
And I remember the three of us were like the three amigos and we'd go everywhere together. We'd do things. Tom Ledoux was my, uh, was my roommate. He's one of the funniest guys I've ever met in my entire life. And, and, uh, you know, Juan, Juan Pena was the smoothest cat could get any girl, uh, you know, that, that, that he wanted to get. And so the three of us just made this incredible trio and we hung out, worked out together, and we had a great time. And it was literally one of the greatest years of my life. And I never, I never saw Tom Ledoux after this. I never saw one pain. That's kind of how the military goes. You have a duty station, you move on from there. And that's just kind of how it works. But it, it, was, it was a fascinating year, an incredible year, meeting people, seeing people, ex, you know, experiences, uh, just so many beautiful things that happened. And it was because of an attitude shift that I had way back at the beginning. So here's the reminder for you before we dive into our podcast today. Our attitudes really make anything, make it make any situation. It's up to us to decide whatever that situation is going to be. Are we going to have a good attitude? Are we going to have a bad attitude? Be, because again, sometimes negative things happen. You're going to get the Dear John letter in the mail. You're going to get the uh, you're going to get the, uh, you know, the news from your job that you don't want to get the product that you create. It's not going to work. The innovation that you worked on is not going to work. The service that you're trying to work on is not going to work. These things are going to happen. This is inevitable. It's the attitude that you have that will make or break that situation. So I wanted to start by uh, sharing that with you. And maybe somebody out there needs to hear that today. The attitude that you have will make or break your situation. Let's dive into anticipation and innovation. Charles Koch. Here we go. Page 64. Successful product development also requires more than simply responding to customer preferences. Both a company and its customers gain when the company anticipates new value opportunities rather than just reacting to what customers value today. So again, we've talked about this in the podcast before. When we think about where we're going, okay, we have to be one step ahead. We've got to be one, 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 one step ahead of the competitors because our competition is always improving. But then on top of that, we also have to understand that our customers' needs, what they want is always changing. So we always have to be anticipating, always innovating. While it is important to ask customers what they will value in the future, the process cannot end there. Focus groups and customer surveys tend to reveal information about tomorrow's needs that are based on today's alternatives. Answers anchored to today's alternatives are likely to be wrong for just that reason. It's difficult to say what you will choose in the future if you don't know what the choices will be. Okay. And, and then he gives an example here. He, he, he's, you know, this is Charles Koch. He's talking about his own industry. So he's saying this, for example, when large information technology users in the 1970s were asked what computers they would use in the future, 70% said IBM mainframes. But who among us could have imagined the spectacular changes coming in the information in information technology? Certainly not those mainframe users questioned decades ago, many of them who now use $500 personal computers networked via the Internet. It is natural to think that if customers don't complain, they're satisfied. But thinking this way can lull us into complacency and make us vulnerable to creative destruction. Okay, this is the, the, the inevitable destruction that will happen with our company when we're not constantly creating destruction ourselves. It's going to happen. Okay, customers seldom know what they will value until they see it. This essential insight is fundamental to success. So understand that. Okay, yes, we have to be thinking about what the customers want. We have to be on top of that. We have to be one, one step ahead of that. We have to be anticipating what they want. But sometimes our customers don't even know what they want. This is why we have to do uh, consistent experimentation and discovery. 
In addition to slowly uh, to slowing declines, constantly innovating, anticipating and anticipating what customers will value, a company must also recognize whether and when to sell an asset or business. In general, an asset should be sold when a buyer will pay more than the owner's estimate of its remaining value. This will tend to, to be when the rate of decline overcomes the owner's ability to innovate. At Coke Industries, we, we prefer not to sell assets that provide a core capability or platform for growth. Naturally, every business wants to receive the most value for something it sells. To do so, it needs to consider the various reasons why an asset or business would be worth more to someone else. A potential purchaser might not believe the business will decline as rapidly. They might see synergies with other complementary assets they own, or they may have capabilities or innovations that the seller does not have. In short, a buyer has a different vision. Okay, so this is one of the reasons why it's, it's, it's good for us to get rid of the old. Okay, there might be someone out there that sees that, whether it's a product or a service or a, a part of organization, part of our company, a, you know, a, a subsidiary, you know, whatever it might be, and we're not able to grow. They may be able to do more with that than we can based on their core capabilities. Okay, so how do we create vision? The development of an effective vision requires recognizing how an organization can create superior value for society and most fully benefit by it. The process starts with a realistic assessment of the business's core capabilities, existing, improved, or new. Okay, So these are the, the things, to, for lack of a better word, these are the things that a company can do better than anything else. It's the product that they create that's better. It's the service that they can do that's better. It's whatever that, that they can do that's better than anything else. These are their core capabilities. It's their mindset. It's their values. Whatever it is, Okay, these are the core capabilities. Okay, so the process starts with a realistic, uh, realistic assessment of the business's core capabilities and a preliminary determination of the opportunities for which these capabilities can create the most value. This preliminary determination must be confirmed through the development of a point of view regarding what it is what is going to happen in the industries where the organization believes these opportunities exist. At Coke Industries, overall, we have six core capabilities. So this is Charles Coke talking about his core capabilities. Core, core capabilities. Try to say that six times fast. So they have market-based management, innovation, operations excellence, trading, transaction excellence, and public sector. Public sector, because these capabilities are critical to uh, Coke 2's future. We are constantly improving and adding to them, building them through theory, observation, practice, and measurement. We enhance the application of these capabilities in our businesses through teams in each business, reinforced and supported by a team at the corporate level. Okay, Point of view development involves intensive, systematic global study. We study the industry's history, technology, competition, customers, applicable laws and barriers to entry and how all these factors are changing. We then analyze its value chain and its cost structure, future demands for its products, competitive positions of participants and other relevant factors. We seek to understand the future drivers and level, and level of profitability for the various segments of the industry. Based on our point of view, we modify our thinking on the best opportunities and how to capture them. From this analysis, we develop a vision that explicitly states how we plan to create superior value. So you see all the work that goes into creating a vision for a company? It's not just sitting down at a table. Well, well, well what do we want to do? No, it's looking at so many factors. It says that. 
right? Competition, customers, applicable laws, barriers to entry, right? When you're thinking about purchasing a new company, these are things you have to think about as well. Based on our point of view, we modify our thinking uh, on the best opportunities and how to capture them. From this analysis, we develop a vision that explicitly states how we plan to create superior value. This vision must be specific enough to guide action and consistent, uh, must be specific enough to guide action and consistent with Coke Industries' vision. Okay, so let me skip down here. The December 2005 purchase of GP, Georgia Pacific, illustrates our vision at work. By 2002, we had determined that our core capabilities, this is Charles Koch speaking here, could create value in the forest products industry and had developed a point of view as to which segments of the industry had the most potential for us. We believe market-based management could improve vision development, economic thinking, measures, knowledge creation and sharing, decision-making and incentives. Innovation could apply not only in products and processes, but also in all other parts of the value creation process. Operations excellence could improve uh, compliance and cost and performance effectiveness. Trading could improve raw materials. So you see what they're doing here? I don't need to go through this. They're running through their core capabilities, market-based management, innovation, operations excellence, trading, transactions. They're running all of their core capabilities through, okay, through this business to see, could this be a business that we could be successful with. This is why it's important to have an understanding of your core capabilities. This is why it's important to have a written assessment of your vision, a written vision down and and have it divided up. And and again, to these core capabilities, what are we best at? And it's not just the product. It's really, what can we do best? And for them, that's what they're saying. Market-based management, innovation, operations, excellence, trading, transaction, public sector. And any of these things, if any company that we purchase is 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 able to allow us to move through these six core capabilities this is a company that we want to purchase i want to read here as we finish up it is apparent from coke industries vision and the diversity of its businesses that we view ourselves as bounded by capabilities rather than our industries or products as is more typical at coke industries this vision development process applies equally to industries we're in and those we're considering entering. New opportunities exist in our traditional industries just as they do in new ones. Thus, Coke companies apply the same vision development process inside as well as outside their current industries as part of this process is taking into account the capabilities and appetite for risk of both the business and Coke industries as a whole. Okay. That's where I want to stop. We could probably go on here and talk about setting priorities, but I actually want to stop there for today. Uh, you know, I think the most important thing is just understanding, we, you know, we've got to consistently be, uh, be innovating. We have to consistently be anticipating what customers want, but we have to do this again through uh, a realistic assessment of our own core, you know, core capabilities and, and a determination of the opportunities for the capabilities to create most value, Okay. So anything that we do has to run through this. This is why it's so important that we have our an understanding of a vision and understanding. And again, that vision comes from our core capabilities. It's important that we have this understanding if we're going to uh, create effective and effective business, which then will help us be more effective 
leaders. I hope this has added value to your life. You take nothing away again today, just this idea of always anticipating, always innovating, always anticipating, always innovating. This goes for your organization, for your company, your products, your services, for your teams. And I would say this leaders, it goes for you. We in our own lives should always be anticipating, always in innovating, always changing to what the marketplace needs on the outside. That's all I got for you today. Hope you have a wonderful day. I'll I'll see you on the next episode of JC Talks, a leadership podcast. Take care. listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, we offer episodes just like this three times every week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Subscribe to my podcast, the Prop JC Leadership Podcast, available on Apple, Spotify, Google, iHeart.com, anywhere you get your podcast, and be the first to get your episodes three times every week. I'll see you soon.